you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to be looking in Exodus chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, Growing up, our our family got the newspaper every day. And uh, every day, uh, somewhere in one of the sections would be the cartoons. If you remember what I'm talking about, if you're tracking, if you're probably 35 or older, you know what I'm talking about. And so there would be the, the cartoons. And I had my favorite ones I liked to read. You know, there were certain ones. And I always went straight for the family circus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Kind of that one frame cartoon. It was a family, mom, dad, four kids. And in one frame, the, the, the creator of that cartoon could just capture the essence of family life. And so I, I looked up a few this past week on, on, for Mother's Day and that occasion. I want to show you a couple to, uh, to me that kind of capture the essence of Mother's Day. The first one is there. The mom's laying on the couch reading. Man, she's just having the time of her life. But the little girl says, poor mommy. We get to go to the movies for Mother's Day and she has to stay home. You know? <laughs> yeah. How many moms would like that, right? The next one. You know, the mom's drawing the bath water. I forget, do we do things for you on Mother's Day or are you supposed to do things for us, you know? Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, that's if you're, uh, um, you know, as if you're a child today, it's sometimes the, uh, your, your attitude, right? But, uh, but no, but we honor moms today because even as these two cartoons show that moms, for the most part, are overworked, kind of underappreciated. So I think it's right and good. Despite the complexity of the day that, you know, that we know that Mother's Day is not the same experience for everyone, depending on your mom or your experience as a mom and some of those things. But it's still good as God calls us to honor our father and our mother. And so it's good on one day to come at least and and just share uh, what moms mean to us and how we do appreciate all they do. But not only that. That how we believe and know that God uses moms to make a profound impact, not just in the world in general, which they do. Uh, we wouldn't be anywhere without, without our moms, but even just personally, uh, the impact they've made on our own lives. As you think about your own mother, whether she's with you today or not, and uh, how they, they really ha- have changed the course of our life. But greater even still is how, they, how God uses them to further his kingdom. How, how God uses mothers in this grand redemption story that God is writing. And so I hope we see that today in Exodus chapter 2, that, that, that these, these women in this story, these, these mothers and, and people with God-given maternal instincts, that God uses them not just to raise up kids, but to further his kingdom to continue writing God's redemption story. So let's jump into Exodus chapter 2. What's going on here? Israelites are in captivity in Egypt. Pharaoh knows that they're a threat. The Israelites are a threat to him. And so he has already put them in oppressive slave labor, thinking that that's going to keep them down, but it doesn't. So he issues an order that when Hebrew baby boys are born, that all the midwives, the one that helped deliver, that they're to eliminate those baby boys, but they don't go along with his plan. So he issues an edict nationwide across the kingdom saying if any Hebrew baby boys born, they're to be thrown in the Nile River, a very... Very insidious kind of thing going on here. And, and so it's in that context we read the story, Exodus 2 verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi, so we know he's an Israelite, married a Levite woman. So, so Israelite man, Israelite woman, they marry. Doesn't tell us here. Later in scripture we know their names. Amram is, is the father. Jochebed is the, is the mother. So husband, wife, Amram, Jochebed. Says that they marry and then she became pregnant. And gave birth to a son. 
Now imagine, if you will, if you're a mother during those days when Pharaoh has issued this edict about Hebrew baby boys and, and you become pregnant. And as a mother, there's that great joy and excitement with the pregnancy, but at the same time, I'm sure there's a little apprehension, a little anxiety over your pregnancy because you have to be thinking, is this, is this going to be a boy? Because if it's a boy, then, then it, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue, and then, and then you, you come full term, you, you give birth, and sure enough, of course, in their day, they, they couldn't tell the gender of the baby, and so, so the baby is born, and what an exciting day that is, and they find out it's a boy. You can imagine just kind of their, their feelings in that moment, this, this excitement mixed with a little bit of fear. So they have this baby boy, and it goes on to say, when she saw that he was a fine child, a special child, she hid him for three months. Writer of Hebrews kind of comments on this, Hebrews eleven twenty three says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. and They were not afraid of the king's edict. So they weren't afraid of the king. They didn't do what he commanded them to do, obviously. They, they, they keep the baby in that moment, this baby boy, and they hide him because they, they saw something within him that he was no ordinary child, or it says even in Exodus that, that he was a fine child. In other words, that, that, that God had somehow revealed to them that he had great plans for their baby boy. And I, I think all mothers are like that. God gives them a special ability to see what, what the world can't see, that they see what God has in store, what God can do, how God can use their children, that they have great faith in that moment. And it says, but verse three, but when she could hide him no longer, he was too old, making too much noise. The word maybe got out. She got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, made it waterproof, in other words. Then placed the child in it and put him on, among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. So you see what's happening. She can't hide him. She, she's not going to do what, what Pharaoh wants her to do. So she's going to kind of try to do something to spare his life if perhaps and so she places him in this waterproof basket puts him in the river now to us that that may sound odd I mean if you think today like going to place a baby in a river what what, why would she do that well scholars tell us that was in their day akin to maybe what we see that if a mother can't care for her child for some reason she may put it in a uh, in a carrier or a basket and place it at a doorstep maybe of a police station or at a hospital I think in other words that, 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 man, it's not the decision I want to make, but the decision that maybe I have to make, and I'm kind of hoping for the best. And, and you can imagine Jochebed in that moment having to make that decision. I know mothers, you in this room, and I know our mom's motherhood is filled with tough decisions, isn't it? And in the moment, you, I know mothers want the best for their children, and they have to make hard decisions. Jochebed had to make a hard, hard decision in that moment verse uh, verse four it says goes on to say his sister whose sister the the baby boy his sister we know later her name is Miriam so an older sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him so Miriam scholars think are anywhere between eight and twelve at this time so let's go she was a ten-year-old girl Miriam a ten-year-old girl kind of the older sister and she obviously cared for her her baby brother in that moment that she went down to the river to see what her mom was doing, and she stood at the distance to kind of see what would happen. She cared for her baby brother. 
Verse five, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it, saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. She knew it when she opened it. And so this is Pharaoh's daughter. This is the daughter of the man who wants to eliminate all Hebrew baby boys. And in the moment she sees this, this young baby boy, she knew it was a Hebrew baby in, in the basket. It's crying with those maternal instincts. She, she has great love and compassion for that child. Takes him in her arms, you can imagine. And she had to be thinking, hey, if, if my dad, if Pharaoh would make an exception for anybody, it's going to be me probably. And and so she, she's willing to make that decision that she also had to make a, a tough choice to go against her father in that moment. And then verse 7, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, hey, hey, you can imagine running up to her. She stayed at a distance, see all this go down, holding the baby. She runs up to her. Miriam says, hey, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? In the back of her mind, it's not written going, hey, I know someone who can help out with this, right? And Miriam, just trusting God, seeing this plan unfold and, and goes up to Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine that 10-year-old girl, that, that, that boldness she had. And if you have a 10-year-old daughter or, you know, if you're a grandmother, you know, you know your grand, granddaughter's 10 years old. You know how 10-year-old girls can, can be kind of bold, right? They sometimes say what they think. And so she, she was bold and she ran up and, and, and asked Pharaoh's daughter, hey, hey, do you need some help? I, I, I care about this kid. I, I want to provide some help for you and Pharaoh's daughter, verse 8, yes, go, go, go find, go find the, the Hebrew woman, you know, that can nurse the baby. And so the girl, Miriam, went and got the baby's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And, and how incredible, Jochebed, the, the mom, is, is reunited with her child. She had to, to let, let the child go into the river, trusting the Lord sees all of this go down, and, and now through a series of events, she's reunited with her child, and so for a period of weeks, months, perhaps up to a year or more, she's, she's able to, to nurse her own baby boy, to provide that nourishment and that care in that moment that God had given her that grace to do that. And the story picks back up, though, in verse 10. It says, when the child grew older, so the child grew up, was nourished, was growing, was thriving, and Jochebed, the mom, had another difficult choice to make. Would she say, okay, no, I'm not giving it back this time. I'm, I'm going to try to flee, try to do things on my own. And understanding she made a tough choice, she took him, the baby boy, to Pharaoh's, back to Pharaoh's daughter. And the boy became her son, Pharaoh's daughter's son. So Pharaoh's daughter is, is not an adoptive mother in that situation. And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses is born, very unique birth story involving, you see here, three different women. Three different women that, that served in very motherly ways to him. That, that You know the story from here for Moses, grows up in Pharaoh's house, ascends kind of the number two man in the land. So through a series of circumstances, he has to go into exile for 40 years, God calls out to him after this period of exile through a burning bush and says, Moses, you got to go back to Egypt out of exile. Leave it. Go back to Egypt. Go back to Pharaoh. 
You got to demand that he lets the Israelites go, that he lets my people go. And so Moses goes back and obeys God and through a series of circumstances and plagues and those kind of things. If you know the story that Pharaoh relents, lets God's people go and Moses becomes this great deliverer. And for the next centuries and centuries that Moses is the central hero, the central figure in all of Judaism. That, that he's this great man of faith. So much so he's a great man of faith that the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3 has to go to great lengths to prove to people in his day that Jesus is greater than Moses. I mean, it would have been a very audacious statement in that time to say Jesus is greater than Moses. So, so Moses was this incredible man. And it all began. He became who he was because of these three women. And so I, I want to... Th- just real quick, consider what, what were their unique roles in the life of this young baby boy? What were their three unique roles? And perhaps as I look around the room that, that you've had each of these women involved in your life in some way. And perhaps even you here today, if you're a woman, you've, you've served in one of these motherly roles as well. We, we think about Jochebed. Jochebed was his mother, his biological mother, pregnant gave birth to him, that, that, that wanted to, to be there with him, constantly nurture him, give him all that he needed. And, and we have earthly mothers. We have biological mothers who, who, who birthed us, gave life to us, who, who've provided that constant nourishment in our lives. And, and then we see Miriam. Miriam was that older sister. If you will, she was a family member. She was a family member who, who cared for her little baby brother, and did what she could to, to care and meet his needs. And we have family members, uh, women in our lives from, from our families who, who, who care for us as well. Perhaps it's an aunt. Perhaps it, 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 it is an older sister. Perhaps it's a grandmother. But, but they fill those roles and, and they care for us and they nurture us like a mom. And so we have family members. And last, we, Pharaoh's daughter, she was Moses' adoptive mom and and so I know in here today that perhaps that you yourself have a mom who, who loved you as her own and, and adopted you into her family and took you in. And, and perhaps you're, you're that kind of mom today. And, and today we want to esteem you and say, you know, that, that God has gifted you and, and we are, we are so, so proud of you for, for what you've done. Perhaps in the same way you've had a foster mom or, or you are a foster mom today. That you've stepped into those roles that just for one reason or another, their, their biological mom could, couldn't take care of them during that time. That you stepped in and you did what God led you to do in that moment. Even we see as God orchestrated Pharaoh's daughter in the same way. But, but even if it's not that case, foster or adoptive, that, that we've all probably had influential women in our life that have kind of been a second mom to us, haven't, haven't they? Perhaps it was a teacher had great influence on you for a season of your life. Uh, it could have been a coach. could have been a coach on a sports team. It could have been a, a number of women that have stepped in, a, a friend. Their mom helped you during a season of life. And so we see kind of these different facets of motherhood, the biological mom, the, 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 the older family member, and even these adoptive or, or second moms in our life. And, and we ought to thank God for them. That, that we see that it was even in Moses' life, that, that it took all three to raise him up, to make him who he was in the Lord. And so, so real quickly, from their lives, from these three women we see, I, wanna, I want us just to recognize and highlight three characteristics. So if you're one of these kind of mothers today, hey, hopefully today that you're implementing these characteristics in your life, 
to make those under your care that you nurture all they can be, but even think about your own mother and, and those who have been mother figures to you that you would call out and recognize them for these three characteristics. The first one is sacrifice. Sacrifice that Jochebed not only had to make a great sacrifice with her body, right? There's, there, there's an element of sacrifice physically for a mother to, to, to hold a pregnancy and to give birth. And so not only do they make sacrifices with their own body, but mothers make sacrifices all along in their lives, don't they? they as we saw, I mean, it was you know, comically kind of attributed in the video, but they give of their own time, their own energy, for the well-being of, of their children. I think about that story, I mean, that, that uh, movie, A Christmas Story. You know, uh, come December, we'll see it on repeat over and over. But if you can think about that movie, A Christmas Story, there's, you know, the mom and dad, the two little boys, and kind of toward the beginning of the movie, they're, they're sitting at, at, the, at the kitchen table, and the mom's cooking, and the dad's reading the newspaper, and, and the kids are getting served food, and they're trying to eat, and the mom's trying to tell them to eat while trying to fix this and that. And, and kind of in the narration, Ralphie, kind of the main character, makes that comment that my mother hadn't eaten a hot meal for herself in over 15 years, you know. You know, he says that. It's the kind of sacrifice even moms make. I mean, they shouldn't always have to do that, right? But even he recognized that that the mom made sacrifices to nurture and for the well-being of her kids. But not only do we have to make sacrifices, that moms, moms sometimes have to, to lay aside their own hopes, dreams, and expectations for the kids. I mean, you imagine Jochebed when, when perhaps she was a younger child, a young girl aspiring to be a mother. What were her dreams and aspirations for the children that she would have, that, that in her day she had her own on expectations or hopes that they would become this or that or do this or do that. And, and moms in this room, you, you have expectations, you have hopes for your kids or you did. And, and perhaps they, they didn't pan out like you had hoped. And, and moms at that moment are required to, to lay aside those hopes and dreams and, and trust their children to the Lord. And I think Jochebed had to make that difficult decision and understanding that ultimately Moses was not her child. It, he was the Lord's and she would trust him to the Lord. So, so moms make great sacrifices. But also moms are, have great compassion. Great compassion, that, that second characteristic. Pharaoh's mother, his, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, Moses' adoptive mom. You know, she, she looks at this Hebrew baby boy. Hebrew baby boy, not, not a part of her own lineage and family. Quite frankly, a, a young child that in many ways, would be a great liability to her. But she sees him, takes pity on him, loves him, and cares for him as her own. Aren't we thankful for, for mothers, despite being a liability, because maybe of our poor choices as children, they, they love us anyway. They care for us. They, they, they care for our well-being. They do what it takes, even though we don't deserve it, that moms have such great compassion and then finally moms have great faith I think it's, it's just hardwired I think God makes moms different they just have such incredible faith that that Jochebed Miriam they they understood something was different about this child something was going to happen with this child Miriam's at a distance just looking waiting for something to happen Jochebed twice has to has to give her her child over but they had great faith in God's plans they had great faith in what God had for that child and being a mother, it takes great faith. It, it takes great faith to trust the Lord with your children.
it takes that. But I think moms are hardwired because moms want what's best. Moms, I think ultimately, I know if you're in this room, moms want their children to experience the best of what God has to offer for their child. Or put it this way, I think moms want their children to know and follow Jesus, ultimately. Yeah, yeah they want good grades. They, they want them to excel in other pursuits. But ultimately, moms want their kids to know and follow the Lord. And, and I think that's what we see on. And moms, I know that, that you love your kids toward that end. You pray for your kids. Aren't you grateful for praying moms who help us when we wander off? They're praying that we would come back on track with the Lord. And so many times those prayers are answered so moms don't give up. And so they have great faith. Great faith. Because they want to see their kids ultimately follow the Lord. And I want to end today just real quick to, to show and kind of turn this a little bit to see how that the example of these mothers, these three moms and, and motherly figures in, in Moses' life ultimately led him to follow the Lord. But ultimately, their example, just like mothers in this room, point all of us to Christ. Everything that mothers do help us to know and follow the Lord that these three women Ultimately, just by their lives, their examples, what they did, point all of us, not just Moses, but they point us to the Lord. Think about it. Just as Jochebed had a pregnancy in the midst of very difficult times despite great opposition, there would come a woman, a mother later, her name was Mary, would have a unique special child within her, and she would give birth to this special baby boy despite great opposition, despite great difficulty in her own life. And just as Jochebed raised Moses up to be this great deliverer from an earthly enemy, Mary raised up, this great mother raised up the special baby boy named Jesus to be our ultimate deliverer, to deliver all of us from our greatest adversary, sin and death. That Jesus Christ was nurtured, was loved, so that he would become who God made him to be, the, the savior of the world, that he would take upon your sin and my sin, our mistakes upon his shoulders on the cross, and he would die for us. That their, their very example is pointing us to Jesus, to know and see Jesus, that just as Pharaoh's daughter had compassion, just as Pharaoh's daughter treated Moses in a different way than maybe his lineage and, uh, would deserve, she loved him and adopted him and raised him as royalty. That God, in the same way as Pharaoh's daughter, he, he had great compassion on us. He saw us in our situation he saw us that, that, that we too were separated from him because of our own sin, but, but had God had great compassion. Scripture says that God in his love, when we believe, he adopts us, brings us in to his family, and we are now raised as royalty. We are now raised as children of the king. Just as Miriam, just as Miriam was that family member who, who cared for the well-being of her little brother, that I think God has given us all a family in Christ. That regardless of the condition of our earthly family, God has given us a spiritual family in Christ who is there for us, who walk alongside of us to care for our needs. I'm grateful for the faith family we call Calvary. That, that I could tell you example after example that I see how you care for one another. You treat each other just like family. You love each other. You're there for one another. And I think that's, that's what God gives us. And, and, and Miriam's example itself points us to that. Points us to the spiritual family that we have in Christ. That, that perhaps even our, our father and our mother, they forsake us. We have people who love us. 
and want what's best for us. See how their example points us to Christ. See how our own mother's example point us and lead us to know and follow the Lord. You know, there's a quote I read this week I thought was so appropriate. It said this, mother, mother is a verb. It's, it's something you do. It's not just who you are. It surely is. We think about Jochebed, we think about Miriam, we think about Pharaoh's daughter. It's just not a title someone has that we do honor. We do honor women who are our mothers by title. We, we should do that. But more than that, it's because of what they do. It's because of these mother figures in our life that, that have come alongside of us and loved us with great sacrifice and compassion and great faith. And, and we honor them because ultimately they point us to Christ. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? And as we dismiss in prayer, again, thank you for being here. We're going to have ministers here down at the front. would love to talk to you and pray with you. There'll be ministers in the lobby that would love to do the same. Father, we thank you for this day. We do come. Thank you for our mothers. God, despite our experiences, we thank you that, that through them we are alive. We have, God, we have hope in you. God, we have life in you, and we thank you for all that that our mothers have done to nurture us and to care for us and to make us who we are. Uh, We pray that you would honor them today. God, we thank you for the example of Jochebed, for Miriam, for Pharaoh's daughter, how each played a significant part in Moses' life, that each of us have women that have done the same, have been those mother figures to us, older family members, these adoptive or second moms who, who care about us, God, and love us and want what's best for us. And Ultimately, their example, they they point us to you and how you love us in Christ. And so, God, may we all turn our eyes upon Jesus. God, who is that author and perfecter of our faith? God, may we follow him. So, God, we love you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a great week.